Hi, I'm Maureen Stoner, and I'm in Eugene, Oregon, and I'm here to uh, bring you the Daily Reflection Podcast. Welcome to the Daily Reflection Podcast. My name is Michael Lynn from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And I'm Lee McGinnis from Leesburg, Virginia. As members of the recovery community, we created this podcast as a way to provide experience, strength, and hope through the lens of the Daily Reflection book. Each day, we interview members of the recovery community in the hope that their experience may provide inspiration. We value inclusion and diversity, and we really want to provide a platform for all the voices of recovery. We aren't affiliated with any 12-step or recovery program, but you may hear these mentioned throughout the course of an interview. Hey, before we get to the show, I'd like to ask a favor. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, it'd be great if you could leave us a comment or a rating. This is going to do a couple of things. It's going to help us expand our reach and improve the show. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Good morning, everyone. It is September 22nd, and I'm joined in the studio today by Maureen Stoner. She's from Eugene, Oregon, and she's here to share her experience, strength, and hope today around today's daily reflection, which is entitled A Limitless Load. Maureen, welcome to the Daily Reflection Podcast. So glad you're here. Oh, Lee, thanks for inviting me. It was a big surprise, and uh, I'm looking forward to it participating. I'm looking forward to it too. So we usually start by having our guest read the daily reflection. If you have that, would you kick us off? I sure will. I'm on September 22nd of the book Daily Reflections, and this is titled A Limitless Load, L-O-D-E. Like a gaunt prospector belt down in the last ounce of food, our pick struck gold. Joy at our release from the lifetime of frustration knew no bounds. Father feels he has struck something better than gold. For a time, he may try to hug that new treasure to himself. He may not see at once that he has barely scratched a limitless load, which will pay dividends only if he mines it for the rest of his life and insists on giving away the entire product. That's from our book, Alcoholics Anonymous, page 128 to 129. When I talk with a newcomer to AA, my past looks me straight in the face. I see the pain in those hopeful eyes. I extend my hand, and then the miracle happens. I become healed. My problems vanish as I reach out to this trembling soul. Beautiful. Thank you for reading that. And before we get started, Maureen, what is your sobriety date? My sobriety date is 12 Okay. Well, wow. I like that. 12, 5, 12. And, um, and so your name is Maureen Stoner. I find That's that right. quite apropos. Well, you know, I wasn't really much of a stoner chick, but I like to go by that. Now I tell people Mo is my street name. And <laughs> as a, a lady of white hair and I look like everybody's grandma, it usually is a relation build in kind of connection, you know, just kind of a little sweetness to share. But my mom named me Maureen Dolores, a nice Catholic mama who, and that means little Mary, mother of sorrows. So some days I'm that girl. Mm -hmm. I love that. And my sponsor's name is Mo. So that's kind of cool too. Interesting synchronicities. As you read this, Maureen, what came to mind for you just right off the bat? I stumbled with the first part, the uh, gaunt prospector metaphor didn't quite work for me, but I certainly understand that we have to keep giving it away. Anything that I received 
in this program is just flowing through me. It's not mine to keep. I've been in this really fortunate circumstance where I have a I have a sponsor. She has a sponsor. So we call that a grand sponsor here. I have sponsees. I'm actually a grand sponsor too. Um, I have a sponsee with a sponsor. And I belong to a group of women in sobriety that we call it the she-ship because we're kind of tired of that old fellowship word. And so we just renamed our group. And so we're women, sober women, all connected through our, our sobriety sponsor family. And that's one group of people I stay connected to. And every day I get opportunities to pass on something that came to me. And it's just flowing, like I said, through me. I, um, I don't say, okay, who am I going to give this to? It just starts to happen. Mm-hmm. I love the she-ship. You're welcome to use it. Thank you. I think I'm going to. I'm going to make it my own. And I honestly have never, I've thought of a lot of the ways that the word woman could be, you know, used instead of the word man in words, but I've not thought of she-ship instead of fellowship. I love it. I am going to use it. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, I, I know that you didn't relate necessarily to that first line, like a gaunt prospector belt drawn in over the last ounce of food. But what was it like when you were, you know, out there right before you came into sobriety? What What is it that brought you into the rooms? The time directly before I found AA, I was dying of alcoholism and I was fine with that. Of the choices of getting sober or dying of alcoholism, I was choosing dying of alcoholism. And I didn't want anyone to interfere with that. I was a new widow. I was in a town that I didn't have any new friends, did a lot of caregiving in my life. So my world was pretty small, but I had moved back to look after my parents to my hometown. So that's what I did. And one day I was visiting with a woman in a women's grief group. And I was telling her, you know, I haven't had a drink in three days. I feel really sick. Her partner had died of alcoholism. So she had some sensitivity to it. And I'm going to get, I have to get a new doctor We're in this new town. And, you know, I don't want him to see any alcohol in my blood. And I need all these pills that I, I need to take to stay going as I, I was really good with the alcohol pill cocktail ideas. And she started to cry. And I said, why are you crying, Annie? And she said, I can't imagine the pain you must be in. And somehow I had never felt anyone having an empathy towards me with my drinking. I was really good at keeping my drinking private. I I had a successful lifetime career. And I went to that doctor and what Annie had said is, why would you even go if you don't trust this person? And when I got there, I knew I wasn't going to say anything. But when he walked in the room and he said, why don't you just, why don't you just tell me what's really going on? It was like this earth angel in his, he was like a Buddha in a pink Oxford shirt. He held my hand and he looked at me and he said, go ahead. And I just said, I'm drinking and I can't stop. And that began the journey. He gave me three recommendations after and and all the other medical things that went on. But he said, do you want to stop? And I said, yes. And he said, okay, I want you to call a treatment center and get things lined up with your insurance. I want you to get a counselor that's experienced with alcoholism. And I also want you to go to an AA meeting. 
And I left there and I got on the phone and I lined up an appointment with the intake people at a treatment center. And I lined up a counselor and I was on my way home and I thought, and there's no way in hell I'm going to an AA meeting. I don't know what that is. I'm not doing it. I don't want to be around those people. And when I got home, I decided out of the, just to happen to me, I got online and I found an AA meeting and I got back in my car. I hadn't had a drink in a few days and I drove to that meeting and I crawled in that room. And and I think, you know, where I sat, I was in the back row closest to the door so I could split as soon as I needed to. And I sat down and I, uh, another spiritual event came to me. I listened. And the next day I went to my intake. They, they called and said, you know, you're all lined up. I was, I was golden. I have really good insurance. I could have as much as I wanted. And I decided not to go. And I continued to, I didn't want to, I didn't want to bunk with those people. I didn't, I, I just didn't totally in my belief that I know best about everything because my best thinking is just awesome. <laughs> so I continued to get dry at home alone. Not my not the best plan. I wouldn't suggest it to anyone. It wasn't very pretty and it's certainly dangerous. But at that point, I didn't care if I if I died that way. That's, you know, well, then we're done with this. Mm-hmm. So I, I stayed in the kitchen pretty much on the kitchen floor, laid down, slept woke up, got more water, just did, and went through more days like that. And I went back to that AA meeting and I kept going back and I kept listening. And at that meeting, the very first time I heard someone say, we'll love you till you love yourself. And I kind of believed that. I started to realize that this was the real deal by some, um, another flow of grace. I, when they said, there is a God, and it's not you. I was so, I mean, I could feel relief right that minute. It's like, I just, okay, I don't know the rest of this, but I think I'll let her. I'm pretty sure it all happened. One, two, three, right there in that chair. I just kept going back and I kept listening. Mm. The women and the men in that room were so kind to me and they, they were laughing and when I first heard that, I thought, oh man, these people are really in bad shape. But it didn't take me long to realize that that's, they had something I wanted. I really, really wanted it. And I hadn't wanted anything in a long time. I was just dead inside. Did you drink alcoholically for a long, long time? Or? I did. Okay. I did. I, I started drinking when I was in high school and I never stopped. I was, I remember being, uh, I was thinking about that question today in case it came up. I must have been about 20 when a doctor put me on antidepressants. And I, I had moved away from home when I was turned 18 because, again, I think I know everything and I didn't really need to live with my parents anymore. And I started, I was drinking and it was just fun. It, it, and it gave me a chance to hide. I think I started drinking so I could continue to hide hide how I felt, hide who I was. I just did it. I worked out a way over the years to become an educator, to become a leader in education in the state of Alaska. That's a good place to go eventually if you want to drink a lot because it's a pretty standard part of life there. And no one called me on it. If they did, I didn't hear them. I just kept on figuring out new ways to keep it going. But 
eventually that kills you. And I was moving in that direction. When your husband died, um, did you guys drink together? Was that part of your lifestyle? We did. We drank together. He was mellow. We drank together from the very beginning. I met him when I was a young girl too. I was probably about, probably just about 19, maybe. Here in Eugene, all things are possible. So of course we moved in together and eventually we were both in college together and we drank and it was kind of a pride at that point. You know, I learned how to drink things that I hadn't had before and he drank alcoholically. So did I, we didn't ever do anything to try to stop each other. It was kind of like this agreement we had and it wasn't pretty all the time. It was uh, pretty awful as far as how limited our lives were because of that. And the night that John became ill with a life-threatening disorder, and he was sick for 16 years. It was a terrible time. And I said, so that was always my excuse not to stop. Is that he's, you know, not now, you know, maybe when this is done. And I, I had a lot of other excuses too. And then at the end of his life, he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And the doctor was so kind. He said, you know, this isn't a time to completely quit drinking. You're not going to survive. If you want to have a glass or two of wine with your friends, it's okay. Well, of course, being alcoholics, we took that as it's a free for all. And I can tell you that the night he died, we arranged for him to be at home for the last part of his life. And I drank all that night. I drank all the next day. I remember what happened, you know, the because uh, I knew how to temper my drinking so I could do it in the long haul. Sorry for your loss. Thank you. And then how long was it after that, that you ended up in the rooms? What was the time frame? In a little more than a year. Okay. So I'm just, the reason I was asking is, you know, a lot of times we drink, of course you drank for many years and so did I, but then of course it can become a medication for the feelings of loss. Um, Absolutely. And so I'm wondering what that was like when you took the alcohol away at first, did that bring more pain to you? Talk to me a little bit about what it was like. I know you, you come into the rooms, you take the, or you take the alcohol away first for a few days and then come into the rooms. And then what happened as far as your feelings? I had been alerted to that and I didn't experience it in the way that I thought I would. I was convinced, even though I was drinking heavily, I was convinced that there was nothing unsaid or un. Uh, there were no re- no regrets at that point with my relation, my marriage, and I was always treated in a loving way. And that I decided early on that the the love that that I was left with was mine to just to, to do with as I as I could. So even when I was drinking heavily, I was already kind of operating on that way of looking at at life that Hmm. um, I'm just going to keep sharing this love. Well, it was just tiny, tiny compared to what I'm able to do with it today, but I, it it flowed through because I, I was prepared to start grieving authentically when I first stopped drinking, I read and and heard in my counseling that that was going to happen. That's not really how it happened for me. Hmm. Beautiful. The way you said that. I'm internalizing that about having the love left to do with how you wanted or with what you wanted to. So 
Let's talk about recovery now, doing the steps and what kind of relief you got. Let's talk about early recovery first, and then let's talk about what life is like now. Okay. I dove right in. I, I thought I'm either in or I'm not. I'm 59 years old and I don't have whatever this going out I heard about and that people go out and die and uh, some people don't come back. I thought I'm not doing that. I don't think I have, have a going out and coming back in me. And I believed that. And then I, and I operated from there. I'm also a very, very um, self-willed person, even though I know that I should be doing better with that. I'm doing what I can do with it. And 22 days after I went to that first AA meeting, I kept a commitment. I had to go to Mexico and stay with a lifelong friend in, of all the places near Cabo San Lucas, which is party central. And I wasn't afraid I would drink. My counselor psychologist told me that she believed that I could I could stay sober warm as opposed to January in Oregon. And so I took off. I, I disconnected from the meetings. None of this is anything I would advise, but I was with a trusted friend who loved me so much. And I had been drinking with her for a long time. She's not an alcoholic. and. I, we had a little meeting every day together. You know, what day is it, Mo? How are you doing on this and that? And, and she said, so help me. If you have a drink, we're putting your ass back on a plane. You can go back to tell that doctor what happened. But her goal was to put, send me home in the condition I arrived, which was sober. Two women had offered to be email connected with me. And we chatted every day. So I guess I, you know, in, my, in a way, we had, our, we had a long distance connection. And I got back and I dove in. I went to a meeting where I met my sponsor. Something was going on that made her cry. And when I saw that, I thought, this woman cries over things that nobody else does, just like I do. And she's always been my sponsor. Mm. We have a really close connection. And she's a woman who loves women. And she also loves softball. She and my current husband, who I met in the rooms, are very good friends. They both have almost four decades of sobriety. So I'm kind of bookend between these two sober souls. So I have a little sober sober family. Uh, they, they both demonstrate the program so clearly in all the times that I'm interacting with him, that that's really been a support too. But I have worked the steps right away with my sponsor. We started a weekly plan and uh, I did whatever she told me. And how would you say that the steps changed you? In the the steps, when I started and she said, everything's going to change everything about your life. I knew that she didn't know what she was talking about, of course, but That's true. That is what happened. Everything changed about my life. Once I was free from the idea of thinking that I was in charge of everything, I became open. And so more could come in. And I believe in the idea of doing the next right thing. And we know what the next right thing is, typically. If not, we follow our gut feeling. I just pedaled on through the steps. And I I celebrate them. And I in my life every day in some small way. And I don't know it's going to happen. When I wake up in the morning now, I, I ask God to 
help me show up for whatever it is that's coming. And over the years, I've been able to really feel that, that, okay, hopping in the car, I think I'm going to the grocery store, but we'll see. It sounds so easy and gentle. It's an easy, gentle way to live your life is what I'm hearing. It's not complicated. It is for me. It's so uncomplicated. And even when it's complicated in the old way, I don't need to hit myself in the head with a bottle to stop the feelings of it. I was exposed to COVID last week, accidentally, with a loved one. And I just had my COVID test this morning. My uh, my rapid one is negative. But I had to put a lot of things on hold for the last week that because I was in house arrest, so to speak. And my husband agreed to it, that that would be good for him, too, at our ages. And it, I realized things get complicated quickly, you know, but there was no sense of, oh, I need to numb this feeling. It was just like, OK, this is how we do it. So you mentioned God. Did you have a concept of God when you came into the rooms or before you came into the rooms? Or is that a relatively new thing? I had left the old God of my childhood. Like sometimes we do stop thinking like we did when we were six years old or 12 years old. And when I heard about the God idea, I thought, I'm just going to set that aside for now because there's other things on this list that make a lot of sense to me. And I'm just going to go into a holding pattern with that. And it wasn't long before I realized that I felt different in that room than I felt outside of that room. And it wasn't because of me. And I just have built an understanding, which is just a daily evolution of knowing that something bigger than me exists. And I don't need to know all the details or how that exists for someone else. I just need to rest in the security and, you know, kind of the echo of that. So I don't have a lot of descriptive things for that, but I'm I'm all in with the idea that it's there's something greater than me, and I don't need to know all the all the details or have a special name or say let's all think the same thing. So as as we begin to to wrap up the episode, you're married. You met your husband in the rooms, and for those of you that are listening, we're interviewing her husband Greg, and his show will will air in just a couple of days on the 24th of September. So you're mm-hmm. going to want to listen to him too. You came in at 59 years old, a widow, a little over a year. Yep. And here you meet a new love. What has that been like for you? It's been hilarious is the first word I'd put it. I met Greg not knowing I was meeting Greg at different meetings that we were both going to. One of the things that Greg loves to do is make Scrabble boards that reflect the words of the different um, sober words. He's figured out a way to put all the words together, glue them, and he gives them as gifts on birthdays. And he gave me one. And as I was leaving and said, thank you, he said, do you want to have coffee with me? And I thought, oh, man, this is weird. Uh, you know, I don't think I want to, you know, I'm kind of done with this whole men thing. So I had a, made a couple comments, kind of put him off. Ended up saying yes. Turns out he wasn't married to anyone else. And for me, he didn't have a dog, which is an important question to me because I didn't want to date a dog. I just wanted to get to know him. And as we got to know each other, we were both just willing to just tell everything, all the history. Let's not waste any time. You know, where 
one of the the things that we chant to each other now and then is we're burning daylight and we don't want to do that. If something, an opportunity is coming along, let's just give it a go. The hilarious part of it is that he has a wicked sense of humor and a lightness in the way he sees the world. And it matches up with mine. It's a partnership that is based on the the code of our program. So I don't wonder, is he thinking or is he, you know, going to, all the old stuff from past relationships doesn't really exist in this one. So we are legally married at this time, but before that, we just considered it being entangled and whatever, you know, people, old people like us get entangled, whatever that means. And yeah. So I had about a three or four year entanglement before I decided to have a marriage. That's beautiful. Congratulations. I I think it's neat when people meet in the rooms and are able to build a relationship based on what we learn in the program, honesty, you know, letting go, allowing each other the space to be themselves and to sort of let their own, I guess, recovery unfold for themselves. You know, the codependency hopefully starts to melt away. It's just a a beautiful story. And, And I've had an opportunity to hear a little bit about your story offline. I'm so happy for you that you made it in and that you have found happiness. And I think you're just I'm a grateful soul. You deserve yeah. it. Oh, thank you. I'm grateful to be here. One little piece of this is a couple of things. One is what my, one of my sponsors always says, don't forget how, 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 and how it's, uh, she calls it honesty, openness, and willingness. And it's so true. And your vocabulary lesson for the day, my dear, is it's not just a she-ship. Think about the word shenanigans. Have you ever heard of a he-nanigan? No. (laughs) See how lucky we are to be women? Yes, I love that. Shenanigans, yes. Maureen, as we begin to wrap up, what would you like people to hear? Is there anything else that you would like to make sure that you get to say? If you're just here for your first time or you're coming back, it's true. We're going to love you until you love yourself. You're home. Welcome home. If you wonder whether you need need Alcoholics Anonymous or if you are an alcoholic, hop in. Zoom is the perfect way to do that now. You don't have to show them anything but your head. And, And listen, I stayed the first time because I looked for similarities. I looked for ways that I had things in common with the people in that room. And what we all have in common is the problem. So we can create the solution together. You know, I was thinking as, as you were just saying that I I came in at 48, you came in at 59 and what a blessing, like in a way, I feel like it's a gift to be able to look at the world through the eyes of a child at the age of 48, 59. Yes, very much. It's a whole new life. Mm-hmm. And so in some ways coming in later is just a special gift. Yes. I, I Sometimes I think I saved this for this best part of my life. I've never been better at anything. Yeah. We're not encouraging people to wait though. And no matter how old you oh, are, <laughs> no matter how old you are, um, if you no. feel like you have a problem with alcohol, please uh, come in now. Life is so much better on yes. the sober side. Thank you so much, Maureen. You're just a joy. And it's I'm so glad we got referred to you. And Thank you said you. yes. It's beautiful. It's, so wonderful. 
it's it's been a treat to get to know you. We have the, we have a common heart, just like we do with the people who are listening. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine says we speak the language of the heart. Yes. So, well, thank you, Maureen. Come back. Come back and visit us again. Okay, I will. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to find us online, you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash Daily Reflection Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Reflector. You can read stories of recovery from our community at blog.dailyreflectionpodcast.com. Please don't forget to give us a rating on your podcast app. We greatly appreciate it. Have a great day.